words on water. Randy Heyman is the CEO and Commissioner of Philadelphia Water. He's an environmental attorney in a private practice, and he previously served as the general counsel for both DC Water and the Metropolitan St. Louis Sewer District. Uh, we're really glad to have Randy here to talk with us today about the importance of communication. So, uh, Randy, I'll let you take it away. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your utility? Oh, absolutely. Well, as Steve mentioned, uh, I am the commissioner and CEO for the Philadelphia Water Department. I served as a general counsel for Metropolitan St. Louis Sewer District and DC Water. So I've been in water uh, about 20, 21 years or so. Uh, so it's been a, been a great career. Philadelphia Water, we serve uh, 1.7 million uh, customers. Uh, we have a drinking water, wastewater, and stormwater uh, services that we provide. We operate three treatment plants, uh, water treatment plants that treat over 300 million gallons of water per day. In addition, we operate three water pollution control plants and maintain 19 pump stations uh, and have over 3,700 miles of sewers. So it's a, it's a major operation. When I was in St. Louis, it was simply the wastewater side, and now it's both water and wastewater and stormwater. And it's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, thank you so much for uh, willing to, being willing to be a part of this, and uh, thank you for your service to so many utilities in the water industry and, and helping keep those communities safe. Um, as you know, this is our communication, water communications work group, and so can you tell us a little bit about why communication should be a priority uh, for you as a water utility? Well, I would put it this way. It's not the 1950s anymore. The bottom line is now people want information. They're used to receiving information. More so in the, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you got it from the newspaper. Now they get it instantaneously from the internet. And also at this point, we have to be in a situation where we're educating the community consistently and constantly. Because if you don't, you're not gonna be able to address the issues that are in front of you. Do you need good communications? Well. Before I came to Philadelphia Water, we had COVID. I used to say and put together my big accomplishments this way, saying I, I've uh, watched a board implode, a plant explode. I've been involved with over a billion dollars worth of bonds, and I've been involved with two major consent decrees, multi-billion multi dollar consent decrees. Do you think you need good communications to advance the ball on each and one of those? You cannot do them. Then you come into a situation where you have COVID. How are you going to deal with your one, your customers? Can we go into your home and address the problems while there's a pandemic? But also your employees. I know you had to do like we had to do at Philadelphia Water. We either told people to work from home or they came to work and you had an A shift and a B shift and you had masking requirements and all. But you have to communicate that. And you have to communicate in a way that informs people in a way that also allows them to feel comfortable. The other point I'd address, uh, answer your question is this. If you do not tell your story, others will tell it for you. 
okay? And they will describe you as they see fit. Now, when I was in with the Metropolitan St. Louis Sewer District, and it was my first time in, in water utilities, I was with Jeff Thierman. Uh, he was our executive director, and some of you know he was the head of NACWA. And we would go to Jefferson City and talk. Um, but before we did that, around the city, if anything bad happened, they would say, well, you know, it's those those guys and, and women at Metropolitan St. Louis Sewer District. They, I'm not sure they know what they're doing, you know, just a blanket statement, no thought, no research, just it's easier to cast blame on someone else. So then we decided, let's go to Jefferson City and, and, and talk on our own. So we did. We went to Jeff City. We would go in and sit with the, uh, the uh, representatives. We went to Washington, D.C., and we would sit with the congressman. And we tell them, here's the issues that are happening. Here's why we're doing what we're doing and educate them. And also would say to them, well, by the way, if you have an issue with your constituent, you need a white paper on some issue, let us know. And we'll help you with that. And we did that. Had quick phone calls with them through the year. Fast forward one year up ahead, we're walking down the halls of Congress. Congressman would actually stop. Mandy, Jeff, I have a question for you. Thanks. For, I'm glad you're coming by today. So we went from those guys in, in St. Louis to individuals who were, were thought authorities, information givers on, on important issues involving water and wastewater. And that's where you want to be. And that's where you deserve to be. But you only do that by communicating and sharing information. Well, I really like what you're saying there about um, about sharing information, sharing information in the right way with the right people. So let's explore um, sort of that question a little bit. Uh, for you as a leader, what does effective communication look like? Um, whether it's communicating to you or you communicating to others, what's that all about for you? Well, it looks like a train that pulls information and ideas forward. Okay. Often, let's face it, when it comes to communication, be it public speaking or having to write a document and share an idea, a lot of times we're we're nervous about it or we have doubts of how we're going to come across. And that's all human nature. But what we have to do is realize that again, the water utility world has changed. We're in a situation where we're going forward across the country with rate increases. We're dealing with water main breaks. You know, we're getting federal money in large sums. And so we have to be in a position where we're able to explain this. And to explain it, you have to educate people. Now, I think it's important, too, that you have to understand, one, who your audience is. And then number two, what is the tool? What is the right tool for you to use? Years ago, it would have been just the newspaper, maybe. You just you, you put out a press release and that's it. We're done. And you really didn't need a public relations department beyond that. But it's changed. So now you have to look at it and say, OK, the communications that I have, who am I talking to? Am I talking to the community, the residents? Am I talking to the city officials? Am I talking to the employees that I have? And it could be very well the issue of COVID with each of them. In each of them, you'd have to think, well, what's the best tool for me to use? Okay, that we have available to us. It could be a press release. It could be a webinar. It could be a town hall meeting in person. It could be a town hall meeting over a webinar system electronically. All of those parts allow you to meet your customer in a different way. So even if you deal with COVID, you may very well say, okay, 
if I'm dealing with the, the community, you have to meet your audience where they're at. What do they know about COVID? What do they know about how I'm preparing the employees and staff to enter their home during a pandemic? And what safety precautions are we taking? Too often, uh, engineers and lawyers and staff people, we, we work like this at our desk. We're doing good jobs, but we're not really thinking about the citizen. They're not, they weren't in the meeting that you had for three hours yesterday and learned about COVID and your safety precautions. They only know what they know when you come to the door and knock. And so it's important to think, how do I educate them along the way so that when we do knock on the door, they're comfortable with letting us come in? And all that has to do with prepping and, and, and talking with the customer. It's the same thing we deal with the city. It's the same thing we deal with employees. Uh, I'm a big believer in having the meeting before the meeting. Not that you solve the problem, but you at least let everyone know what the issue is that's on the table. And when it comes with communications, it's important before that big day that you're going to knock on doors and go in and make a repair, that you talk to them beforehand and educate them about what, what you know. So then too, let's, again, we talked about the tools. You, ha you have the, the webinars and electronic ways of doing it and all, and we talked about the audience, but I'll share with you a quick quote that, that you know, that I'm sure you've heard before. The author, Stephen Covey of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People wrote, seek first to understand, then to, to seek first to understanding, then to understand. Okay, seek first to understand it, then to understand. That simple concept goes a long way again with dealing with the public. You know, if you have, for example, all of us are going to have to address um, water main breaks and all that are happening in our, in our community. Now, you have to think again, does the community know what you're doing? Do they understand how many miles of pipe you have to repair per year just for maintenance? They may or may not if you haven't educated them just yet. And so again, it's important to think about how do we do it? Also too, you have to evolve as a leader. I know when it came to um, the internet and, 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 and Twitter and all of that and Facebook, I was, no, I'm a lawyer, I'm wearing my tie, this is how we're gonna address it and we're gonna put, put out a press release. And in Washington DC, the public relations person uh, would every now and then put out a little joke or a little quick comment. And I thought it was unnecessary. I was wrong. What I mean to say is you have to connect with people and we have to connect with a younger generation. And so using Facebook and a little joke or a little photograph and asking, what do you think about this is good because it pulls them in. They feel comfortable with you. You feel comfortable with them. You feel comfortable with the social media. And now you can put up something about your rate increase. Or you can put something in about main breaks. And all of that pulls it together. They feel like, okay, I, I, I feel good. I, I know that worked at DC Water. DC Water had a lead problem, lead and water issue. They had to rebrand themselves. And so with the leadership of George Hawkins, who was an outstanding leader and communicator, but also rebranding the trucks, rebranding how we communicated with people on social media, we went from being thought of medium to, to less than medium to really being thought of as uh, the, the providers of, of healthy health, health and safety in the community. And so it's important about to understand how 
you how you come across and then use the tools, the right tool to allow you to connect. Well, I uh, again, I think your story is really powerful there, especially when you talk about the role of social media in terms of uh, connecting with the public, connecting with the audience where they're at. And um, there are many utilities around the country who are adopting some of those similar things that you brought back. Uh, Northeast Ohio Regional yeah. Sewer District, for one. Yeah, you know, they're probably the most popular utility uh, on social media right now. They have 20-something thousand followers. I mean, they're yeah. they're phenomenal. Uh, DC Water, the reason I know about DC Water living all the way here in Idaho uh, is because <laughs> of social media. And so uh, that that powerful role that social media can play for you to help you uh, is, is a way to impact uh, both the messages and the education going to our community. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, one of the things that we do hear uh, in our industry is somewhat of a lack of support for communications and communications professionals have not always been highlighted in WEF as an important part of our stakeholder group. Can you talk about how you've gone about improving uh, leadership support for communications professionals within your organizations and for communications uh, as a whole in the other utilities that you've worked in? Okay. Well, one thing you have to do is make sure that they have the budget to address the issues they need to face. Um, I would say you need to only look at what are the issues that are on your desk, be it rate cases, main breaks, federal stimulus money coming in, all of those issues demand that you do more than, than sit at your desk, that you're able to communicate with the public the pros and cons of what needs to be done. When leadership supports something, let's face it, it puts it on the radar, okay? And how do you show that support? Verbally, by saying it when you're talking before the budget committee, okay, within the organization, you give kudos for the importance of what the PR group has done, and you do it financially by making sure, again, that they have the money they need to, to have the, the team that they need to address the issues that you have. Because they're going to be the ones that are at the town hall meetings that you have. They're going to be ones writing the press releases. They're going to be the ones even now with uh, Facebook. Uh, you can see a problem, type it into Facebook, and the utilities are responding within 10 minutes. You have a water main break, we're on our way. You know, that takes individuals, that takes staffing to, to, to do that. And so it's just important that you, you make it important. And then you also, too, I'm real big on giving compliments where they're deserved. Uh, we had a situation here where our, our numbers were very high on the uh, unvaxxed. And the city passed a, a regulation that if you're not vaxxed, you're going to lose your job. Okay. And so... We went out of our way. I, I, I worked with HR. They put posters up at the plant. They had town hall meetings electronically. We put newsletters up to, to enforce, to inform people. I would say in December, we had 1,000 individuals or so who were not vaxxed. Now, as we're getting closer to the deadline, we're down to the low 20s. Okay. So, and I, once we did that, that was done through good communication, tough communication, but very good and consistent communication. And once we did that within the organization, I was quick to give the public relations people, our HR people, and all a pat on the back for helping to get the word out and helping to get, you know, to allow us to, to have those to have those conversations. 
Well, I think what you shared there is a really important aspect of communications is the education part of that, that sometimes we're just afraid, sometimes we're worried about what's going on in our communities. We don't know who to ask. We make lots of assumptions about what is or isn't happening. And uh, by providing that level of education, uh, you've really helped your employees make better decisions. And I think that's our goal for all of us as water professionals is to help our communities understand the decisions that are in front of them and then present them with those options and alternatives that will help solve those problems. And uh, your story about um, vaccinated and unvaccinated employees is a great example of one type of audience that we have to speak to. Um, the other type of audience that uh, generally folks on this call and, and folks in our industry are speaking to are, are people like yourself. We're having to make the case to leaders in the organizations and leaders about um, about having investments in the right places. So uh, share with me a little bit about what what helps make the case for you as a leader in your organization when somebody is um, is recognizing a need and wants uh, some funding or wants new staff or needs some empowerment, uh, specifically around the area of communications? Yeah. Well, I think the key, again, is to be very practical about it. Ask the person to think about what are the top five issues on your desk? You know, and when they sit there and they tell you it's, it's dealing with infrastructure maintenance and rate increases and, and COVID and all, then just simply ask them, can you solve those problems by yourself in your office? The answer is no. The answer is we have to get out there. We have to talk to the public, be it the community, city officials, or our employees. And so by doing that, what you're able to generate is buy-in. Buy-in is what allows the train that I talked about earlier to move forward. Okay, that's the coal that goes into the engine. And the only way you're going to get that is by having the conversations. But let me say something else. It's not simply having the conversation, it's having the tough conversation. And I'll tell you, as, as a lawyer and has a, a, as a general counsel and now as a CEO, that those conversations seem a lot more difficult at 3 a.m. than they are when at noon when you actually have them. I say that to encourage you to have the conversation earlier than later. And as you have those conversations, you're going to find that on the other side, if you address the, the use the right form of communication, you show respect in your communication to them, you show awareness of where they are at that time and bring them up. And you'll show awareness of where you disagree. What you're going to find, even with tough budget issues, is that you're going to find individuals who, who, who say, hey, I, I can see your point of view. Let me amend my point or let me change my view slightly and they'll meet you or you'll meet them, but you'll move the ball forward or that train will move forward by you doing that. So be willing to have the tough conversations. Uh, Randy, we've had a couple of questions come in here uh, for you. Um, uh, as a lawyer, I uh, I know you love words and the importance of words. Uh -huh. And so uh, what are some key words that you've found most effective in public communications um, or maybe some key words to not use in public communications as well? Well, I don't know if I have exact words, but I would tell you this. 
think of the tone. OK, think of the, what tone do you want to get across? Is it one of urgency? Or are you writing it in a way that scares people? Or are you writing too much? OK, because a lot of times I though I'm a lawyer and people joke that lawyers get paid by the word. When it comes to my writing, I try to be very succinct on what I'm writing. And so that I understand, especially executives, especially managers, that they're not wanting to read a five page narrative. And so I try to bring things down to a point that they can take it, understand it, and put it in their pocket and, and use it going forward. And so I would say in any situation, you have to think about what is the tone you want to set? Is it one of urgency? Is it one of persuasiveness? And you're trying to persuade the other side to come your way? You know, is it one of asking for or giving an apology for not fixing a main within a week when it took you a month and you thought it should have only taken a week? So what is the tone that you that you have? Um, also, too, think about this. Communication isn't always just a one shop, one stop shop, a one shop stop. What you have to do sometimes is have in a way, what I mentioned before, the meeting before the meeting or communication before the communication. Sometimes there's layers of communication. So, for example, if you're going with a rate increase, OK, you may very well have some of it out on Twitter. Your website is an excellent place to educate. You might put it in a billing stuffer. That you send out with your bills or you might very well have to have meetings with the city council or you might have a town hall meeting in person when we can or on the uh, on the web all of those for one issue that rate increase that you're discussing or the water main that you're discussing so don't look at it as just one situation look at it as basically a, a group of tools that you have you might use several of them at one time yeah that's uh that's phenomenal advice uh i've also been reading a lot about being more concise in my writing uh for that very reason that no one wants to read uh, my 600 word sentence when they can read a 60 word one. So I, I very much appreciate that point. Um, one of the things that um, I'm always curious about is when we talk about brand and your brand is what people say about you. Uh, what is your brand for Philadelphia Water or what are you trying to create as your brand? Well, I want to create that we are professionals dedicated to protecting the health and safety of our community. But at the same time, we are approachable and we're your neighbor. That the issues that we face and what we place on the table is well thought out. And at the same time, it's going to affect our mothers, our, our fathers, our brothers and sisters in the community. OK, and so I think it, to, to, in a big way, that's who we, we want to be known as, as we're professional. But also, too, I, I try to make sure that people understand that we do listen because part of communication is I can't just come in with the on my bully pulpit and, and with a with a bullhorn and, and say this is what it's going to be. There's going to be another way. There's going to have to be communication coming back. As I said, when I started. In the 1950s, actually up until about the 1990s, there are different utilities that the executive director could sign off on what the rate increases were going to be. You know, there are very few that do that now. Almost all of them now have some type of check and balances, be it through some type of rate commission and all. So you have to slow down and go through this process of communications. 
Yeah, I like what you shared there about the dialogue, that back and forth um, and less yeah. of a one directional uh, highway there. Um, do you have recommendations for that you provide to your team or inspire your team with when it comes to prioritizing communications? I mean, obviously, Randy, you uh, you are on board here, but yeah. uh, how does that get prioritized for your team? Well, I meet with my team, my, my deputies once a week. Okay, and so we're on top of it. And I guess I put it this way. Before you can communicate outwardly, you have to make sure that you're communicating properly internally within the organization. The reason I meet with my deputies weekly is so that they hear from one another what's going on. Oh, again, a, a tax increase. Why do we need it? Why is that important? You know, and so that helps them in understanding what they need to communicate to their staff internally. And that is the one part that we we need to make sure we focus on. So often we think about communicating with the public, and that's important. And then we have to communicate with City Hall. But we need to make sure we're communicating with staff. And we think, well, they're here. They know they don't know. They don't know why you're telling them to wear two masks. They don't know what does it mean to have an A shift and a B shift and you, people come in two days a week. Make sure you're communicating with them. And most of that communication, think about it. I don't think communications is just something that's on a on a shelf. Think about communication. When do you feel at ease? When someone calmly tells you something in advance in a tone that allows you to take it in, not feel stupid asking a question, and have that dialogue. And that's and it doesn't change if you're talking about talking with the community or city hall. And a lot of times people miss that because they don't want to communicate or they don't want to give the speech or they don't want to write the letter. They think, well, let me finish it. And then here, I gave it to you. I'm done. It has to be more than that. So, but, but no, I think that's pretty much the way to go. Yeah. And uh, your answer there kind of falls into my next question here, which is you, you have a lot of different kinds of city employees, some that are on phones a lot, some that are on email, some that are not on anything. Uh, can you talk away? Can you talk about your methods for disseminating that information to all members of your organization? Yeah. yeah. Well, I I tell you, COVID has really taught me a lot, and I think it's made me I know, and I think I, it's made my deputies and everyone else better leaders, because you really have to think about the one-off situation. Issue comes up. I tell my PR people, communication people, let's just send out an email. Well, Randy, that's fine, but you understand the, the, the men and women out in the field don't have a computer. Or they have to come in and use a kiosk to get a computer access, and that might be once a week. So then we had to think about other ways to get to them, you know, be it have the cell numbers, or we make sure we post things on the bulletin board, or we make sure that we send people out to walk around the, the plant and talk with people one-on-one. -on -one. So some of it may not even be on paper. It may be a one-on-one -on -one discussion. That's what we did for COVID and the vaccination. It, it wasn't working to put it on, 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 put a poster up, you know, but having that one-on-one -on -one conversation seemed to work. So I, I, th I think to the most part, that's what you have to do. Yeah, I, I actually missed the bulletin board. I used to love the bulletin board. So I'm <laughs> glad you brought that up. Um, uh, you know, we work in a very highly technical field, and um, 
one of the aspects of that that I think we miss along the way is because we're doing a lot of math and science work, uh, we're trained in certain areas that are, are pretty technical, we sometimes miss the communications piece of this. So uh, what are some ways that, that you've seen effective communications integrated into training and the mindset of staff? Okay, into in, the training and mindset of staff? Yeah, so um, a, as technical workers, as engineers, as, as lawyers like yourself, how do we train and develop people to have a little better acumen oh, toward communications okay. versus, okay. Uh, yeah, my question, I didn't ask it very well the first time, but how do we have that acumen toward communications when we're not formally trained to do so? Oh, well, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And also, too, we all have different jobs that we do. So again, if you're an engineer, you're focusing like this, you may not think about how do I communicate this new project, this new multi-billion dollar project that we have to do. For example, we have a 25 year, $2.5 billion water master plan. We're gonna redo uh, water plants and wastewater, well, water plants and all major. Now the engineer is thinking about where all the easements are and, and the and the mathematics behind it, but that same engineer may be the person I need to go and talk to the community, okay? And when they go, they can't go in simply saying, well, Y equals K and then that's it, I'm done. It has to be, let me bring you up to speed, let me say what I'm gonna tell you, and at the end, let me see that you understand what I told you and educate them along the way. Again, they have to be approachable. That's a big part in some way in the other person's mind, either because they're with you or because of the way that what you wrote uh, or what you presented to them makes them feel, they feel that you are approachable and you're not talking down to them. Um, but I think with engineers, especially if you sit down and talk with them about what is the issue, okay? What is the big picture? And then how can we communicate what you know in a very technical way? Let's, like they say, explain to me like I'm a fourth grader. And that my son's in fourth grade, so you may have to explain to me like I'm a third grader. And once you get that information, be able to share it. And what you'll find, and what I found is one, if we talk about engineers, because engineers, unlike lawyers, tended to work on the math and science and not the public speaking aspect of it or the writing. Sometimes there's a hesitancy, but I'll tell you something. The best leaders that I've seen in water utilities, and I put my friend Jeff Thurman in this group, were engineers. If you get an engineer who also has an understanding, can sit back and listen to the big picture about how this project fits into a major flooding issue in the community and how the community is upset because of this issue, give us information and explain it to them like a third grade so I can share it with them. One, you have a good leader, a very good leader. And also, two, you have someone who can contribute to communication team in a way that allows them to be effective and clear with what they have to communicate. Yeah, I think in today's in today's workforce, we need people who are multidimensional like that, that yes. have the ability to um, 
speak very clearly and concisely to members of the public, but also be highly technical in their day-to-day -day work and understand the audience that they're speaking to. Yeah. Um, one of the questions that's come through here, Andy, is about, um, do you have a set schedule that you follow when it comes to types of notices or types of communications? Do you have a content calendar that gets shared in some way? Yeah, there is. The, our, our communication department uh, does work on that. And it matters what the issue is. You know, if we're dealing with a rate increase, then there's certain things that are put in the flyers that go out. Um, there's certain things that are done on maybe uh, local television, radio. We set up interviews uh, to assist us in getting the word out. Uh, so some of it's formal. And then some of it is simply as we get closer to that time, what do we need to do? Okay, what, what, but we're always thinking prior to the event, whatever it is, how can you get the word out? But let's face it, uh, a rate increase, yes. You know, three months beforehand, you go on radio, TV, put in, in, in mail uh, stuffers. But, you know, a while back, we had a, a water main break that I'm from St. Louis. It looked like the Mississippi running down the, down the, down the street. You know, that's something that you had to get up and, and communicate with the public immediately. You know, and you had to get out and... And, and talk, it had to be discussed on, on the news. So all of that is are things that you have to be nimble in what you're doing. And what you'll find when it comes to communication, one, if you make the investment, you'll develop a good team. Once you have that good team, you will develop confidence in that team. I have a very high confidence with my team. And so right now, I don't want anything uh, significant to happen this evening, but if by chance it did, I know that our team would be on it as far as going out to the community, talking with the community, organizing what we need to present to government officials, organizing what we need to tell our employees. And it's just a, it comes with, with, with practice and support. Um, but I think every utility needs to focus on communications because we're not going to go from here to where we have to go post COVID without getting buy-in and you're not going to get buy-in if people don't trust you and people don't trust you if they don't know you or know the information you're trying to share. A absolutely. Um, one last question here for you, Randy. Uh, you talked about you're about to embark on billions of dollars in infrastructure yeah. improvements there. And um, one of the things that will inevitably come up is um, new technologies or new innovative practices or new something. And uh, we innately have a fear of things that are new. So when that happens, um, how do you work with your community to overcome that fear of the new or fear of the different? Well, work with the community, did you say? Yeah. Well, you have to have confidence in what you're doing. What I mean to say is I don't push a new idea forward until I have my, my arms intellectually around it. You know, I'm not an engineer, okay, but I've been around enough to understand the concepts and I've been around enough to know, talk to the right people. And you can get a sense of direction on where the science is going and where the engineering uh, prospects are going. So once you, you do that and you have a handle on it, then you have to think about, okay, how do we express this to the community? Now, something new is going to be the hardest thing that you have to present. OK, because naturally there's going to be a pushback against it. But you want to do a couple of things. 
You want to be calm. You want to be organized in what you're presenting. You want to give people time to kick the wheels, kick the tires. You want to show them the respect of letting them come back to you, address some of those issues, or all of them, and then go back a second time. So that's why I say some of these issues that you face are not going to be one and done. You know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do something new, and this is what we're doing tomorrow. No, you're going to have to go and have that town hall meeting. It's going to be difficult. A lot of people are going to say no, and you're going to have to go back. You know, that was the same thing when we had our consent decree in St. Louis, or we modified our consent decree in D.C. Those are multi-billion dollar consent decrees. St. Louis was 4.7 billion, and I think D.C. was 2.4 billion. You know, the things we wanted to do, bringing in green infrastructure, that was a major issue. And in, in, D, in Philadelphia, we have the uh, Green Cities Clean Water Program. You know, we just hit our 10-year milestone. You know, all of these issues were new and we had to sell them. Now, the, with the consent decree, I'll say quickly that with EPA and the Missouri Attorney General's office, they looked at green infrastructure as a weird science. And we had to convince them to allow us to do it. We had to convince the community to allow us to do this in your neighborhood. When I went to D.C., they looked back and said, wait a minute, other cities have this opportunity. Why can't we have it? So they want to modify their green infrastructure, their, pro, their consent decree, and bring in green infrastructure. And then I come to Philly and they already have it in place. But you get there by getting buy-in, and you don't get buy-in by slamming papers on the table and saying, we're doing this tomorrow. You get buy-in by educating, letting the naysayers speak, intellectually addressing their issue, intelligently addressing it, and then moving forward. And that is that train that I talked about before that continues to move forward as you're bringing the good, the good idea. Well, Randy, this has been uh, this has been a fantastic conversation, and we will keep up all of our weird science, and uh, we will hopefully be able to share it with you in a way that is uh, more concise, more thoughtful of the people we're uh, communicating with and the communities that we're serving. And uh, we look forward to seeing you hopefully soon at a in-person WEF event. Uh, that would be fun. Uh, I know. It's, uh, I'm so excited to hear about your journey in the water industry. We're always encouraged to hear uh, folks with different backgrounds from just sort of the engineering sciences backgrounds. And uh, again, I just want to thank you for all the work that you have done, both within the community you work now and the ones that you have served in the past, um, because those communities are obviously much better uh, having you as a leader and a part of them. So thank you so much for joining us today and being a part of this important conversation and, and answering a few questions we have. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Take Absolutely. care. You too. Take care, Randy. Thank you. Bye -bye. Words on water.